Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Well, I'd like to welcome you all for our meeting here together in the Festival of Capricorn here in our New York offices. I've often found that on the full moon days it's rainy or snowy. You might have noticed that. There's probably a meteorological explanation for that. But I think there's also a, it's a nice symbol of the spiritual life because we know that precipitation is that which comes from the inner planes. And so it's, it's always a time when new life and new ideas are precipitating into human consciousness. So it's sort of an as above, so below thing when it actually, we have precipitation in the three worlds, which we had a lot of today. Um, this year of 2018 has been an interesting year because we began with the time of the Capricorn full moon and we're closing out the year with the time of the Capricorn full moon. So this year has been, you could say, bookended by Capricorn full moon um, experiences and I think that seals it um, the Masonic way. It seals it in a very powerful energy field and anybody would be uh, able to say that 2018 has certainly been um, a very momentous year, full of challenges, just like Capricorn, but also, I'm sure, full of many opportunities for the soul of humanity to move forward into greater light. And today is a special day, or this full moon period is a special one, as most of you probably know, because it combines uh, the time of the winter solstice, which was just passed at 522 this evening, with the exact time of the Capricorn full moon, which occurs tomorrow early afternoon at 1248 p.m. So the conjunction of these two most important, important points surely gives humanity an opportunity to pause, to pause and to take stock of the energies that are available. Because more than ever, our world needs a period of pause in order to capture the potency of these energies. For whenever we pause at the time of the full moon, we might be able to more fully capture the particular quality of light that pours through each of the constellations. And the particular light that pours through this constellation of Capricorn is said to be the light of initiation itself. So it's a transformative light because it's also a, trans, um, a light that transfigures. Um, and so we know that transfiguration is that quality which is related to the third initiation, wherein you might go into that initiation as a somewhat ordinary individual but you pass through it and come out on the other side as something else, something transfigured. So the light that's available now is potent in its 
transfigurative abilities. And we might come to understand a little bit more of what this light, this particular light of Capricorn, means if we ponder the phrase given to us to describe it by the Tibetan. So it's the light of initiation. It's the light which clears the way to the mountaintop, thus producing this transfiguration and revealing the rising sun. So why don't we pause now to come together in consciousness and to ponder that visual image that we're given by the Tibetan, this picture of the light of initiation clearing the way to the mountaintop and through this transfigurative experience revealing the rising sun. So we'll take a moment to ponder that and then we'll sound together the ancient mantram. Lead us, O Lord, from darkness to light, from the unreal to the real, from death to immortality. The solstice has long been recognized as a time of the birth of the sun gods who come forth at the time of greatest darkness to bring light to the world. It is therefore a time when love comes from far away to anchor itself on earth during this time when the sun is in the earthiest of all the earth signs. And the solstice and equinox points correspond, in a way, to the chakra points within the annual cycle. These are the zero-degree points of the cardinal cross, composed of the signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. This is the most uh, exalted, you might say, of the three crosses because one cannot step onto this cross until the taking of the fourth initiation. So we know that it's a cross that we can have very little understanding of. But perhaps at these times of potency within this cross, we can all touch, if we work in group formation, touch a fragment of that higher will energy that pours through this sign cross, excuse me. It is the cross, in the words of the Tibetan, of the widespread arms 
the open heart and the higher mind. It's a beautiful image, the widespread arms, the open heart, and the higher mind. And obviously, you can't enter into this cross until you have built the higher aspects of the Antakarana Bridge, even higher than we normally think of, because that bridge, in essence, probably never ends. It is the path itself leading from one stage of consciousness to another. And that's the description in this phrase that the Tibetan gives. And another phrase that we're given that describes the potency of the united energies of this cross state that it carries an influx of cosmic energy. So it's energies that come from far away pour through the center of this cross. And it's energy that we're told comes from the one about whom naught may be said. And this energy is said to be tinctured with the light of the seven solar systems of which ours is one. So it's a vast overshadowing energy. And some of the majesty of these four points of the Cardinal Cross, I think, were um, interestingly depicted in the Kala Chakra initiation of Tibetan Buddhism, one of the most sacred of all their ceremonies, which the Dalai Lama has done a lot to bring to the West. He's performed this hitherto secret ceremony in large gatherings throughout various parts of the world. And I was fortunate enough to go to one of these uh, a few years back in Washington, D.C. But when you read about what actually is taking place uh, symbolically in this uh, Kalashakra ritual, you can see that it's related to the four gates, they say, the four gates of entry into this sacred kingdom of Shambhala. And these four gates are related to the four signs of the Cardinal Cross, <coughs> each of which embody a quality that the seeker on the way is asked to progressively um, move into in order to pass through these gates. So we start with the Aries Gate, um, and it's said to be represented by the quality of Shraddha, which is one of the uh, key qualities used in the upper degrees of the Arkin School. In fact, it's the keynote of one of those degrees. Shraddha is a Sanskrit term meaning faith, but it means more than simple faith. It's absolute fearlessness is one of its other definitions. Absolute fearlessness. And uh, Swami Vivekananda, one of the great teachers of the East, said that this teaching from the Vedas on the concept of Shraddha, to him, was one of the most important teachings of all of the Vedic tradition. Because for him, in his own life experience, the ability to ponder what this means in our lives was the most transformative for him. And he said it transformed him because it led him to understand his own divinity. And once he understood his own divinity, he cut out so many of the non-essential aspects that so often plague us on the spiritual path of not believing in our own divinity. And he said that it's not an isolated event, this believing in one's own divinity. It's not a separative 
quality, but rather it brings us into closer alignment with our fellow human beings because we also recognize that we are part of them and they are part of us because we're all actually divine. And so it's a, it was, a, for him, one of the greatest liberating qualities. He realized there was no separation. And then once that shraddha has built into, been built into the system, we move on to the second gate, the cancer gate. And this is represented by the quality of virya, which is related to right eliminations, striving. I would think by that key concept of Patanjali's, the fiery aspiration that is so necessary to able to make ourselves able to overcome the sometimes monotonous and uh, difficulties on the spiritual path. If we cultivate that virya, we're able to move forward without as many hindrances. And then the western gate, the Libran gate, is qualified by mindfulness, by that movement towards mental polarization. And eventually we're told that that mental polarization leads the individual in the Libran experience right into the courts of Shambhala. So Libra governs that entry point. And then the final quality embodied in the Capricorn experience, the northern gate, is samadhi itself, complete liberation. So this Kala Chakra initiation moves the individual as a part of a collective group experience through these gates and into the ultimate experience of liberation. It's interesting when you consider that these four gates, uh, if you trace them, they make a diamond. And it's said that uh, the Tibetan gives us the symbol, the subjective symbol for the new group of world servers is said to be a triangle with a diamond at the top and an even armed cross at the bottom in gold. So it's a silver diamond, a golden cross, enclosed within a triangle. And perhaps this triangle at the top gives the group as a whole a touch of this higher will aspect because certainly it could be sustained, sustained by a group, not by an individual. And these teachings on the four, the importance of the four points of the cardinal cross are also related to other aspects of our lives, not just these uh, seasonal changes in the year, not just the signs of the zodiac, but also the day is divided up into four by some teachings. The breath is divided into these four points. And most importantly for us, perhaps, the meditative practice is divided into these four cardinal points. And I, something that I often try to ponder is a teaching that Tibetan gave. It was actually a, a meditative practice that he gave to one of his disciples in the Dina books that helps us, I think, to understand this rather mysterious or difficult teaching on the stages of the meditative practice. We know that they correspond to the teaching on the breath. So the first stage, inhalation, corresponds to the period in the year 
which were just about to enter. I considered this the final period of pause, the lowest of the lower interlude, this solstice period. It's the lower, it's when the energies of the entire lower interlude, which are really a reflection of the higher interlude in the spring, the Waysac, the Gemini full moon, the Aries full moon, that energy is grounded, and this pause of the solstice period really, to me, constitutes the final period of the lower interlude. But when this solstice ends, we enter into inhalation, the first segment in the teachings on the breath. So we're moving into that, and the Tibetan gives us a phrase that encapsulates this idea of the inhalation period in meditation. And all of these phrases that he gives are related to love, related to service. So it shows you that ultimately meditation is our most fundamental means of service because it aligns us with the soul. So the phrase he gives for inhalation is, with self-forgetfulness, I gather what I need for the helping of my fellow men. And so the idea here is that the personality must be left outside the door. Self-forgetfulness. I can make my alignment to the extent that I can let go of myself and align, therefore align myself with my higher self. And then we move into the higher interlude phase where we're asked to ponder on the strength, the wisdom, and the love which must be shown to our fellow men. So that's a pause, right? That's like the higher interlude. That's the um, time of the three spiritual festivals. So we're asked to ponder strength, wisdom, and love to our fellow men in a very quiet manner. And then we move to exhalation when the energies are poured out during the cancer, Leo, and Virgo phase. In self-forgetfulness, I pour out love onto my fellow men. And then we enter into this phase that we're just grounding now where we're asked to ponder love to all beings. So those four phrases are a beautiful um, explication, I guess we could say, of the meditative process as taught in the Raja Yoga technique. So this time, as I said, this solstice period is when we can most fully embody that final phrase, love to all beings. And it really is the quality that is asked of us at this time to work um, as a group to bring forth our own love nature. Because we know that the subjective energies available at the time of the winter solstice and the Christmas period are very palpably felt on the inner planes. Um, in fact, I do believe that the solstice, the winter solstice, is the most important spiritual event of the year. Um, and so we have the responsibility as a subjectively linked worldwide group of servers to do what we can to lift and redirect this love energy that's being released by so many of the prayers and meditations that are being carried forth all over the planet. It's our 
opportunity to attempt to redirect and lift these energies so that the hierarchy, we're told, by our aid can reach into the very courts of Shambhala and to release the pools of lighted love and light that exist within that highest center and release them. And that, we're told, can affect a healing of the nations. So the opportunity at this time, which is why we gather together, is to work to support the hierarchy in its work. And we're told that even though we might not feel ourselves particularly capable of doing that, as we work as a group, we can aid them. We also know that this solstice period is related to the um, seven-year festival week of the group of world servers. Um, it occurs every seven years, and it's said to be a week of group impact. And most of us know this festival week is occurring next year, from December 21st to December 28th, including the solstice period. So we have um, a year now to, to prepare for this event. It's a major event in the life of our group. We who have some understanding of what this pot potentially holds for our planet as we move towards preparing the final years of the stage of the forerunner, we have a big opportunity to be available, to be prepared during this final festival week of this century. No, it's not, sorry, <laughs> the second of this century. Many more to come. But anyway, it's the final one to prepare for this 2025 uh, occasion, which is occurring at 2025. So we have an opportunity. This is the last festival week prior to that. So it's, an, it's a real opportunity to prepare for that final um, culminating period, really. And it's important, therefore, to understand a little bit, to get a visual, I think, of the potency of the alignment that's possible during this festival week, which the Tibetan gives us. He says that it involves the alignment or the overshadowing, I guess that's a better term, the overshadowing of the great constellation Capricorn by an extra zodiacal constellation. And to get a size of what that extra zodiacal constellation, of how vast it is, he tells us that the comparison is that vast overshadowing constellation is compared to the constellation of Capricorn as the constellation of Capricorn is compared to our Earth. So you can see how vast the constellation Capricorn is compared to our Earth and this overshadowing influence that comes available every seven years is very, very va vast and related to this energy of Capricorn. They're both related to Capricorn. So it's, it's a very strong influx of this Capricornian energy, which is related to this law, important law of group progress, um, which is a law all about group work and how we're moving into a, an age of group work. And there's another important point to consider for this upcoming festival week in that there are six major points that are going to be 
in the sign of Capricorn during that festival week. This, I do not think, has ever happened before in my lifetime. This is a very unusual occurrence. And it's, it seems to indicate that these other planets in our solar system are cooperating to help Earth because the energies are pouring into Earth, um, help our planet to move subjectively into a more fuller experience of, a, of our sacredness. And so there's an eclipse, there's a solar eclipse that is going to occur at this festival week. It's a potent opportunity. And so we need to prepare ourselves um, for this event. And one of the ways in which we can do that is to encourage others to form groups because it is through small groups here and there covering the planet that most effectively we can establish a grounding of this possible influx of spiritual energy. One of the key symbols of Capricorn is, of course, the mountaintop and the vision there to be found the ability to rise above the normal constraints of the clouds and mists, the fogs and impediments that abound in the three lower worlds is really what the symbol of the mountain holds forth for us. Any of you who have tried to climb a major mountain will know that it's not easy. It takes stamina, perseverance, and at each turn of the spiral, spiritually speaking, we must confront ourselves, which is often quite a difficult task. And the fact that so many people today have climbed to the peak of Mount Everest, for example, we're told indicates that this is a time when increasing numbers of people are passing through this light of initiation. As if the path has been prepared and the climb a little easier because it's being undertaken as a group and the members support and strengthen one another. It's said that the vision conferred upon the mountaintop is one of wholeness, wherein all the constellations and stars converge into a great stream of light and color. And there was an interesting uh, story that was told of a vision that was similar to this description given by the Tibetan that was undergone by a Tibetan saint named Tomo Geshe Rinpoche. And this event took place in the last century on a Tibetan plateau near the northern border of Sikkim. And it was described by a German teacher named Lama Govinda in his book, The Way of the White Cloud. It said that Tomogeshi stood on the foothills of the Himalayas, a place that was described as a place where there don't seem to be any distinctions between heaven and earth. And it was there that he began to behold the whole pantheon of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas from all time and from every dimension. And he said they were dazzling as if of all the colors in the rainbow. And they were slowly moving across the sky from the eastern to the western horizon. 
all the differentiations of mountains and waters and rocks and plants and all that makes up our common world at that time blended into one another and seemed to fade away, leaving only an indescribable experience of primordial unity. And it's said that this vision of Tomogeshe lasted for many, many hours within the sky. And it was first seen by him alone. But just as a great artist is able to make his visions visible to others by recreating them in various materials, the guru, by the creative power of his own mind, made this wonderful vision possible to be seen by all those who were present. So the idea is that there was a group of his chelas in the night standing there in this valley and seeing this visual image of colors and lights of all the great ones throughout time passing through the sky. And the effects of this enlightenment experience led Tomogeshe to step out on his quest to spread the message of the Dharma and the coming Maitreya Buddha throughout the Orient. And we who work to support and strengthen the group of world servers everywhere can also stand together at this time on the periphery of the great ashram and partake of the vision that this group is surely participating into our world. One of the symbols of this sign of Capricorn is, of course, the unicorn, the fighting creature of God. And at this stage in the journey of return, the individual, now the initiate, white and pure, is said to become this unicorn in which the two horns and the single eye are blended and through this means, the individual pierces beyond the obstructions and constraints of time and space. And for a moment, at least, he sees the great ones, the rishis and the bodhisattvas, as Tomogeshi had seen, the all-encompassing vision of the possibilities of what might be and what forever is. He stands then upon the mountaintop where the air is clear, his vision extends then both far and wide into the distant heavens and also down into the dismal, weary veils of earth. He knows then what he has to do. Into those veils he pours the light and love that life confers, bringing heaven to earth, peace to humanity, and beauty to reconfigure the harshness of the world. He blends and fuses the many lights and colors and weaves them with the fabric of the world. He stands for that brief moment in awe of the immensity of the plan and yet knows for certain the part that he can play in aiding its manifestation. But then he turns his back on that vision and returns. So let's now come together in our meditation.
So let's read the keynote. If we'd like to read it as a group, we can. He who faces the light and stand within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light, and lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receive that light, for them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. Let's just take a moment to link with our group here today, but also with all of our group brothers throughout the world. coming together in group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. Project a line of lighted energy towards the hierarchy and towards the great ashram of Sanat Kumara. And towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And then we extend the alignment to Shambhala.
entire interlude, holding the contemplative mind open to the energy streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Endeavor to see the three planetary centers gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
Meditation on the keynote for Capricorn. Lost am I in light supernal, yet on that light I turn my back.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude, recentering the consciousness within the periphery of the great ashram. Sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the hierarchy through the five planetary inlets. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. So just a reminder that the exact time of the full moon tomorrow is at 12.48, just past noon. And so this time, again, between now and then, is a, 
a very sacred time. So we all can try and do what we can to remain focused and aiding the hierarchy in its work. So our next uh, meeting will be the Capricorn New Moon meeting on Monday, January 7th from 6 till 7 p.m. here. And then our next full moon meeting is the Festival of Aquarius, and that's on Sunday, January 20th at 3 p.m. So we look forward to your participation then. Thank you. Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org.